we look at how we're trying to find, you know, say it's a, a certain category or a certain brand space that we want to be in. Like, hey, we, we need a partner in XYZ category. We go look at, okay, who are the who are the ones that, that fit our fan demographics? Who are the ones that we have a great story to tell with? Do our fans like, you know, take it over auto, for example. Do our fans like luxury cars? Do they prefer domestic versus import? Where, where can we cultivate the best story to tell? Welcome to Hot Coffee, Cold Beer. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks, with the LA Lakers, Clippers, and Kings. On this podcast, we'll sit down and share a hot coffee or a cold beer with those who have made a name for themselves working inside the highly competitive sports industry. All the content heard today is solely reflective of the independent reporting by Hot Coffee, Cold Beer, and our team, and does not reflect the opinion or feelings of AEG, Staples Center, the LA Lakers, Clippers, Kings, or Sparks. On today's episode, we explore a new topic of the industry, sports partnerships. We'll sit down with a senior member of the Los Angeles Rams sponsorships team, Tyler Potts. Tyler's path includes seven internships throughout different divisions of sports that led to stops with the Dallas Cowboys, Las Vegas Raiders, and now with the Rams. You'll hear a transparent and in-depth breakdown of the world of NFL partnerships, from what it really means to be the official soft drink of the LA Rams, to what types of deals you can't sign, and the day-to-day life of hunting for new corporate sponsors. You'll hear about how partners become a part of the team's on-field operations and how trips to In-N-Out Burger skyrocketed Tyler's career in sports. Tyler, hey, thank you so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate you. Do you have a hot coffee or cold beer ready to go? Hey, Brock. Yes, I do. I'm a, I'm a big coffee guy, so I'm, I'm on uh, about cup two or three already today. Good to hear that I'm not alone in that. How many cups of coffee do you think you have a day? You know, on a, on a good day... Probably four max. I try not to go over four. Two in the morning, two after uh, after lunch for a little pick me up. That's not crazy. Don't let anybody tell you that's crazy either. <laughs> I, uh, Howard Schultz, the former CEO of Starbucks, drinks six cups a day. So if you're under six, I think you're okay. You're not Perfect. crazy. Perfect. Then I fall right in right in a good category there. Tyler, we really wanted to talk to you specifically because the world of NFL sponsorships is big business, and it's a fascinating division of this whole sports world. You're the perfect person to tell us about it, too, because you had some experience with three huge NFL brands. So you're the perfect person to talk to us about big things like big NFL sponsorships. So thanks so much for coming on. Before before we get started, just wanted to make sure you knew how much we appreciated you being here. <laughs> of course. This industry is, in general, has some deeper meaning to the, the Potts family, right? Like, isn't your father, Steve, he's the director of athletics at Pepperdine University? He is, yes. It's I have been fortunate that from a young young age, I was the kid on the end of the bench passing out uh, water bottles to college athletes and fortunate to be part of it from a young age and, and was why, you know, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life as a career, I couldn't imagine doing something not involved in, in sports or athletics and fortunate enough to have the opportunity to do that. Sometimes with the family dynamic, like if the father's a lawyer or let's say the father's a doctor, there's some pressure, right? That the son has to then be go become a doctor. Did you ever feel that from Steve? Funny you say that. You mentioned the if the dad's a lawyer. My dad actually is a lawyer by trade originally. My brother is in law school right now. So he may have felt the uh, the lawyer pressure there. On the sports side, you know, I, I really didn't. It was, you know, again, I, I grew up like if I wanted to spend time with my dad. I, I went to games with him. I went to the office with him. Um, you know, my Saturdays were spent at a ball field or in a gym. It was just kind of 
how I, how I spent most of my time anyways. And, and for me, it was always what I was passionate about and, and loved doing. I think if I had said, Hey, I want to be an, an architect or a lawyer or an accountant, he would have, he would have, uh, have said, go for it. But uh, it's been fun to get to have conversations with him on a different level that, that I didn't get to have, you know, or I wouldn't get to have if we weren't in the same general field. It, when I went to school at Pepperdine, where, where he is the, the athletic director, when I first went there, my first couple years on campus, I was adamant that no one needs to know that my dad works here and I need to stay, you know, away from him. Like I'll go to games and stuff, but I don't need to, I don't need to be around athletics. Like I want to make my own place. And, and very quickly I realized, well, that's pretty short-sighted. And by the time, you know, I was a senior, I was trying to spend as much time as I could, even just sitting in his office, sitting in, in the athletic department, learning and listening, picking up on conversations with coaches or conversations with staff or how they were handling situations. And now it's really fun to get to be a part of those conversations with him when I'm dealing with sponsorship deals, when he's dealing with donors and sponsorship deals there at, at Pepperdine to get to be a, be a sounding board for each other is, is a lot of fun. That's really cool that you get to go back to your dad. It's something I have like the pleasure of doing too, is even though my dad never worked in sports, I can go back to him and say, Hey, I'm, I'm running into this issue. Yeah. What, what recommendations do you have for me? It's really cool that your dad is literally an insider in that. So his, oh, his advice is probably something people would pay big money to get. And you just <laughs> have that with the family dynamic. Yeah. I'm very, very fortunate of that. Your first full-time job in sports, it comes with the Dallas Cowboys, which is a pretty big deal to get your first chance and your first crack in sports with one of the biggest brands in all of American sports. It's extremely safe to say, like landing an internship, even just an internship with the Dallas Cowboys, is pretty tough. Getting inside that building can't be easy by any measures, and I remember seeing in your story that you had interned for the Dallas Cowboys at their training camp in California in 2012. And then when that camp ended, you go back to college. A year later, you apply for another internship with the Dallas Cowboys. And then you got it again. So you defied the odds landing two internships <laughs> with the same team that's extremely hard to break into. So what's the story behind that with, with the Cowboy star? Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I, so when I was in, in college, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a, a couple really great internships. Junior year, I was working at Fox Sports West out here in, in Southern California and Towards the end of the summer, my internship was coming to an end and I was trying to figure out like, well, is there something else I can do this summer that you know that keeps me busy and, and keeps me you know moving in the right direction? And had someone send me the, an email that said, hey, you know, I know you're looking to work in sports. Have you seen this internship? The Cowboys, I know they, they have training camp out here in Oxnard, California, which is about 40 minutes north of where I, where I grew up and where my, my parents live. And I applied online. It was kind of a little bit of a perfect storm that I had a little bit of sports experience. I lived relatively close to where they were having training camp and they weren't going to have to pay to fly me out to live in California for the summer or anything like that. And when I say like internship, it was, we did the bottom of the barrel work, raking leaves off the practice field. It was putting sponsor signs up with zip ties, was working the parking lot check-in. It was, you know, on occasion, babysitting the uh, the Jones family grandkids or taking them to the movies or out to dinner if the Joneses were uh, were busy with, with clients or, or other team meetings. And, and so from there, was fortunate enough just to get to know a lot of people in the organization during my during my couple weeks and was fortunate enough to stay in touch with the people at the Cowboys. I actually flew to Dallas for the Cowboys first game that season and and just went to the game just so I could network and meet with some people with the organization so that they would remember who I was and see my face and, and then stayed in touch with them throughout the year. And at the end of the kind of the end of my college career, they they called and said, Hey, would you be interested in, you know, potentially applying for this postgrad internship we're we're starting in, in Dallas and 
jumped at the opportunity to go work for an NFL team, even on an intern basis right out of college. And I think that was something that I look back as a tough decision at the time. You know, do I do I take a full-time job working at, at USC or working at Fox Sports or working in, you know, staying in LA with a full-time position or do I bet on myself a little bit and go take a risk and do this internship with the Cowboys and that decision, you know, I, I, I did that. I took the risk and was fortunate enough that after my time as an intern there, they, they wanted to keep me on and, and spent five you know, really incredible years there working for one of the you know most recognizable brands in, in all of sports. Do you remember any of the, the dinners or the movies you had to take the Jones grandkids to? Like, is there any story that sticks out there? You know, we went to In-N-Out a lot, did some go-kart racing. We had some fun. They're a great group of great group of kids. And I'm the, the family is, you know, I think one, one thing people, when they think about NFL teams, they they assume they're these huge, you know, monstrous businesses because they, they generate hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, but they're really small family run businesses, most of them, right? The the executives at the top or their families are there at training camp and, and so it's fun to get to be around be around that kind of atmosphere. Again, very much how I felt as as a kid around mid major college sports. So if I have this tallied up right, you had seven internships before you get your first full-time spot in the industry, which if that doesn't tell you about how hard it is to break into sports, I have no clue what what will. Are you an excellent networker? Were you just putting your hand up for everything? Like seeing seven internships on your resume is exhaustingly impressive. Yeah, I think it was a lot of the latter of putting my hand up and willing to, to do anything and and everything. And I think it was also important, I felt, to, to try a bunch of different things so that when I when I was fortunate enough to get to make a decision on what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go, I kind of knew, you know, I knew what I enjoyed doing. I can sit now and say, Hey, I love the team side. I love football. I love the NFL. That those things are things that I figured out over, over that time period. And I think, you know, most of them came after each other, right? Like my, my USC internship only happened because of my Fox Sports. I was working as the the marketing intern for Fox Sports West. I was at a Kings game, King Stanley Cup game, working the the check-in for the VIP uh, reception we were having before the game. And Dan Shell, who's the president of Oakview's college group now, but at the time was the general manager of USC Sports Properties, walked in and and I went up to Dan. And I was like, hey, Dan, I'm, I'm Tyler Potts. I, I'd love to work and intern for you in the fall if you ever have anything available. And from there, was fortunate enough to get that opportunity and then parlay that into the Cowboys and, and on and on and on. And so I just uh, been able to to be in a lot of awesome situations where I could take advantage of, of some pretty cool opportunities that were put in front of me. Your background is really funny where you start with the Dallas Cowboys. You spend five plus years there. Then you go on to help open the new stadium in Las Vegas. And now here with the Rams. So it's funny. All you've ever known are these massive, insane, (laughs) world-class stadiums. We actually tallied this up. And your law of averages with stadiums that you've worked for is 73,427 seats per stadium. Obviously, you're not scared of crowded places. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah, luck. That that's one thing that I've been very lucky. It, it's funny. I have a I have a mentor of mine and former boss uh, of mine, Christian Howard, who's the vice president of sponsorships, the Raiders. And when when I was in college, actually, he was at the he was the vice president of the Clippers, and he spoke at a college student networking um, panel that I went to. And, and after the the panel, I went up to him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm Tyler Potts. I want to work in sports one day. And and he was like, All right, kid. Like, here's what you got to do. Like. Go sell at uh, you know at a WNBA team or a minor league baseball team or go get a job you know selling for something that's really really difficult and if you do that then you can can get into sports and I always joke with him now like so I took Christian's advice and I went and got a job at the Dallas Cowboys 
Uh, but, <laughs> but I was not originally the plan, but very fortunate to have had those those opportunities. And and yeah, it's been it's been really cool and afforded me starting my career at the Dallas Cowboys afforded me the opportunity to step into a role with legends and Allegiant stadium and the Raiders where I was probably getting to touch and, and be a part of deals that most people, you know, five, six years into their sports career are not getting to touch that if I had been working at a place, not the Dallas Cowboys, I wouldn't have had that, that opportunity. And then even now, you know, it's afforded me the opportunity to come be a part of a, of an organization here at the Rams and my hometown of, of Southern California, like, Getting to be here in Los Angeles and be part of bringing NFL football to life in, in SoFi Stadium is something that a lot of people dream of, and I'm and I'm fortunate to get to take advantage of it. I was the next big thing for the for the Rams. We'll eventually one day be be building a practice facility here in Southern California once they get everything you know off the ground with with SoFi Stadium, and so this will get to be my my third practice facility. Get to get to see from the ground up, and that's the kind of stuff that like motivates me and makes me ex- excited to to go to work every day is to get to touch that brand new, big front page newsworthy assets in the NFL. I want to make an Allen Iverson practice reference so bad, but I know that, you know, we got, <laughs> we got to get on to more stuff with this new Vegas project. There are a lot of really exciting aspects here. One is it's just exciting to see an NFL team in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. Seeing pro sports start to bloom in a new market is extremely compelling and it's rare. And two, the stadium looks like Darth Vader's helmet, but three, <laughs> There's a beautiful combination in Allegiant Stadium between past, present, and future that kind of organically flows through the design of the stadiums. Yeah. What are some of your first impressions of working in Vegas and beginning this brand new chapter? Just to touch on the stadium real quick, it is all Raiders. If that stadium doesn't say Raiders, I don't know what does because it is black and silver and it is all Raiders all day. And 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 rightfully so, right? This will be really their the first time in the organization's history where th- it's their home building, you know, even in Oakland, they shared a building with the A's and in, in LA, they shared, they shared venues with, with other NFL teams and other sports teams. Like this is their building. I think the the really cool thing about that project and that brand, it's, you know, we always talked about when we were pitching it to lots of brands, it's really the convergence of four incredible pieces of intellectual property that have never before converged in one place. It's, it's a city that's brand new to the NFL and then on top of that, that city is Las Vegas, which is more Googled than LeBron James, right? So it is Las Vegas in itself has incredible IP value. And then it's the Raiders, which is they're the Raiders. Like you know them when you see them. You you know the Raiders, right? It's a internationally known brand. Then on top of that, it's the NFL, which it is the biggest sport in the United States. It's the it's the most popular sport in the United States. It's the most watched, most visited sport in the United States. And then finally, a brand new venue. I always like to say that Las Vegas would have been okay without a football team. Like the city would still survive without a football, but the city really did need that venue. The venue that will allow them to host the top world-class sports and live entertainment events. And in one of the entertainment capitals of the world, to not have a a venue larger than 25,000 was a challenge. And so now they have the venue to host the Taylor Swift concerts, the Final Fours, the national championship games, the Super Bowl, the, the Pro Bowl, that's like those things coming to Las Vegas are incredible for that city and, and for, for the for the league. And so really when you look at like all four of those things converging in one place, it, it created something that that will never probably be replicated again in, in the NFL or maybe even in all, all of sports, in my opinion. 
There's a funny video from Las Vegas News where Charles Woodson, the former Oakland Raider great, tours the stadium. And one of the first things out of his mouth is he goes, I kind of want to come back now. Like, I want (laughs) to see if I can come back just to play in the stadium. It's it's an immaculate cathedral to sports. I think that's one thing when Mr. Jones at the Cowboys talked about building AT&T Stadium, you know, religions have churches. Well, sports teams have stadiums and, and that stadium is a cathedral to the Raiders. The stadium strikes me as this blend between a modern NFL stadium like you're seeing now in Atlanta Mm -hmm. and Dallas and Minnesota and now even coming here to Los Angeles with SoFi Stadium, but combined with like a European soccer field. It's like if you combined Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta and Wembley Stadium, that's the feel I'm getting out of Allegiant. But before you ever get to see this project really come to fruition, before the construction's even done and, and football's even being played, you take another opportunity and, and you move over to Los Angeles. What prompted you to make this change? Like what was so strong about the opportunity that makes you want to take the Rams job before you ever really got to see your project with the Raiders fulfilled? <laughs> yeah, it's, it was it was definitely bittersweet leaving the Raiders and, and, and that project before obviously getting to see football played there and see the fruits of, of the labor fully come to fruition. But I think we had been in a position where the my my job there, admittedly, was to to help them secure their their naming rights and their their large founding partnership deals at that stadium. And and by and large, we we did that. We had we had completed that that portion of it. We we sold the naming rights and, and a lot of the founding partnership rights, and and they were kind of in a in a really good position to set them up for the future of that franchise from a sponsorship standpoint. And, you know, while there was, there's still plenty to be done, the beauty of sponsorships is you're never done selling. The big things were, were in place there. And, and there's also just something to be said about getting to come home to your, to your hometown team. Uh, I think when I was in college, there was talks of, of a farmer field and the potential of, of bringing an L, a team to LA. And, and always in the back of my head said, man, I, I want to work for that NFL team in LA one day, right? Whatever, whoever it is, whatever it is, like that's my dream is to get back to LA and get working for the NFL team in, in my home, being close to family. You know, my wife is from Southern California as well, and she has a, a great job out here. And, and so those were the many reasons why this was the, the right move for us. And and then now to get to get to add a, a third brand new stadium uh, to my resume of places that I got to be a part of is uh, is an exciting new chapter. Be completely honest with us here. What do you really think of the Rams' new uniforms and logo changes? Like, I know there's a lot of Angelinos that are kind of upset about losing the iconic Ram horn on the helmet. Like, how do you take all this? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and uh, I don't have a, a strong tie. To the history personally right i love it I'm, I'm excited i think it's a it's a fresh new look at modernization that fits well with with our new building i'm a big uh i love kind of the hidden meaning behind some of the pieces of it you know we have the the ram horn with the the fibonacci sequence and the perfect spiral that you would throw on a football or that's prevalent in in a wave that ties into some of the things we built into the logo and like when fans see the the jerseys and the helmets under the lights, Sunday night football uh, against the Dallas Cowboys week one, it's going to be beautiful. There's this unique challenge with your position, right? That really only exists in, in two places, Los Angeles and then the New York, New Jersey market, where you have joint custody of a city and of a yeah. stadium. The, the Chargers and Rams both playing in Los Angeles and then in New York and in New Jersey, the Jets and the Giants share a stadium, really the only mm-hmm. two places in, in football that that exists. How do you navigate within a market and win impressions in a city with two teams? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Brock. And I think it, it, it stems from knowing who your audience is, right? And knowing who your fans are. And I think that's something that we try and really understand, you know, who are, who are the target fans that we want to have in the future? And, and how do we align ourselves with the brands that fit those, those demographics well? And, and everybody's going to have differences there. The beauty of LA is that it is such a such a melting pot, such a world a world city, in that, that there's people from all over here, and, and kind of every demographic is, is prevalent in this in this city. There's there's plenty to go around, right? You can't be all things to everybody. So we want to we want to be the right things to the right group of fans, and, and I think the Chargers are, are trying in, in in their way to be to be that same version of themselves. If you're looking for a better in-depth look at the sports you love, look no further than Number Nights, a statistical view of what happens on the court, ice, and fields. Follow Number Nights on Instagram to gain further insight on the world of sports statistics for the visual learners and the number crunchers in a data-driven world. You can follow Number Nights on Instagram to gain an advantage in your fantasy league or win your next sports debate. That's at Number Nights on Instagram. The world of NFL partnerships, it can't be an easy one to navigate. In, in 2019, there was $1.47 billion of NFL partnerships, but that only equates to about 300-ish new deals per year. So your job is less like a season ticket person who's trying to make a sale every day or every other day. You're hunting for like five to 10 deals per year, and they have yeah. to be the right deal. So when the Rams are looking for a new sponsorship partner, what exactly are you looking for in a company and in a partner? Yeah, there's a, a lot of factors to go in that go into it, and, and you're right. You know, if if I get five brand new deals a year, that's that's a great year, and it might take me nine months plus to to get them. And and I might have actually started a conversation with somebody two years ago that takes that long to to actually turn into a real deal and. Uh, that relationship cultivating is a big part of what I do and why I actually and part of why I love what I what I do. You know, when we look at how we're trying to find, you know, say it's a, a certain category or a certain brand space that we want to be in, like, hey, we we need a partner in X Y Z category. We go look at, okay, who are the who are the ones that that fit our fan demographics? Who are the ones that we have a great story to tell with? Do our fans like? You know, take if it were auto, for example, do our fans like? Luxury cars? Do they prefer domestic versus import? Where where can we cultivate the best story to tell? And with that, go out and reach out to those brands and talk to those brands and try and share with them that value proposition that the platform of the Los Angeles Rams to to grow their business. And I think that's what I love about sponsorships is it boils down to not the way I try to think about it is I'm I'm not even always a, a salesperson. My job is to be a a marketing consultant for these brands, right? So, you know, calling a brand, hey, what are your what are your challenges and objectives? What are the demographics you're trying to meet? Who are you trying to reach? What uh what works for you from a marketing standpoint? Is it database marketing? Is it customer acquisition? Is it surprise and delight experiences? Is it hospitality? Is it one-on-one with clients, with prospects? Is it B2B, B2C? Understanding all of that and then showing them, hey, here are ways that we can use the platform of the Los Angeles Rams to solve those problems or to give you value or to drive people in store to create promotions that drive database marketing, to give you more data collection, to help you find a one-on-one experience with that customer. How does the partnership process originate? Is it always something with the, along the lines of, hey, we're missing this kind of company, like we're looking for an airline or we're looking for an alcoholic yeah. beverage partner? Or is it sometimes on the opposite where you're going, hey, I feel like there's a way we can work with this company here. I just don't know how. 
Is it yeah. always looking backwards from we have this hole we need to fill or how does that work? Yeah, it's a, it's a mix. It's a, it's a lot of, a lot of both, right? Sometimes it's, Hey, we, this is a very traditional sponsorship category and we don't have someone in that space. Let's go fill a traditional space. And then sometimes it's a, Hey, this brand seems to have a lot of synergies with us. Let's figure out a way to bring them on as a partner. Um, you know, you look at the, an incredible deal the San Francisco 49ers just did with, I think it was Manscaped and they're the official below the belt sponsor of the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Like not something where they look, I'm sure the Niners went and said, oh, we need a men's grooming partner, right? It was one where talking with Manscaped and they had, came up with some cool ideas together and they fit, they fill the need in, in a different way. And, and that's kind of how you have to look at it on, on both sides of it. You know, it starts from a couple different scenarios. Is it, is it me like, prospecting? Am I, am I looking up companies? Am I, Hey, this company just had a big acquisition or this company is launching a new product and they need brand awareness or this company is doing really well. They may be expanding their marketing budget. Let's, let's see if we have any synergies with them. And, you know, and then from there it's, it's hopping on the phone with them talking about some of those questions I was you know asking, like, where is your business going? What are you, where did, where can we fill in the gaps? And then from there, which is my favorite part, is creating those platforms, business opportunities for us to to engage their clients and, and their prospects so that we can ultimately drive drive business for them. And then it gets into to a lot of the fun stuff of negotiating a, negotiating a contract and you have lawyers involved and, and you're negotiating dollar amounts, contract language. And then finally, you know, getting the, getting the deal signed and passing it off to partnership activation or your partnership marketing team and working alongside them to to see it actually come to life. Great White Buffalo, they say, is to find those type of sponsorship deals. Those are always the most, my opinion, the most fun, right? Like, yes, auto, beer, grocery, like those ones are airline. Those are awesome deals and fortunate enough to work with a lot of great companies in that space. But the ones that are that are fun is when you can find a needle in a haystack, like, and kudos to those guys for doing an, an awesome deal. Aren't we all just looking for our below the belt partner in life, you know? <laughs> In the world of NFL partnerships, what kind of things aren't for sale? Like Lowe's can be the official home improvement store of the entire NFL, or Pepsi yeah. can be the official soft drink of the LA Rams. But can you be like the official toilet paper of the Rams or the official podcast? Like what kind of things are not available for sale? Well, both of those things would I would love to find that official toilet paper partner, official podcast partner. <laughs> um, both of those things are thriving right now. They're available. You know, it's it's a great question, and there's there's nuances to like what a league partner is versus a team partner. And you know, for example, if you're if you're a league partner, you have some rights, but you can't, you know, you don't have rights to all the teams individually. So, like Pepsi, for example, they can they can take out an ad with the Dallas Cowboys using Dak Prescott because they have three deals. They have a league deal, so that allows them to use it nationally. They have a team deal, which allows them to use Dak in his Cowboys uniform. And then they have a deal with, with Dak and they can use his image. So that to, in order to have a commercial, a national Super Bowl commercial with Pepsi, with the NFL, with the Cowboys, with Dak, you have to have three separate agreements there, right? And and that's kind of how those work. You know, I can't go out and sell player image rights. Like I can't give a, give a brand a, a deal with Jared Goff or, or Aaron Donald as much as I'd love to. Those guys own those rights. And so we're really selling the team IP, the, the stadium assets, and and all of the the controlled and owned media by the team. Game days, uh, from media standpoint, the NFL owns a lot of that, right? They own a lot of the the signage that's visible on television from a media standpoint. So there's a lot of different kind of pieces and, and ways to carve out 
where you can kind of fit in as a, as a sponsor within a team, a league, a player deal, all those different things. A huge challenge in sponsorship has got to be growth, right? It's the idea that once you get a partner in, let's say Hot Coffee Cold Beer signs up for a five-year deal with yeah. the Rams where we get signage, we get some rights to you know make me look like Jared Goff because he kind of already looks like my older brother, <laughs> you know, and saying, hey, everyone, listen to the show. And once you establish that, how do you convince brands to keep growing and innovating with you? Because I would think companies tend to get comfortable and say, we have signage, we have a fake Jared Goff, we'll just stay here and we'll just keep doing this. Is that a real challenge you run into? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely something you face over the lifetime of, of, you know, of these relationships. And it's something where you hope that you're providing so much value that they want to do more, right? That they see the value in that. And that's what I think like the best sponsorship deals are the ones where you've, you've done a deal with them and it's provided so much value back to them that they're going to ask you, Hey, how, how can I do more? You know, you guys are bringing us so much value. Where can I, where can I do more? If you're not in that situation, like you're going to put yourself in a bad situation because at the end of that three year, five year deal, whatever it may be, hot coffee, cold beer is going to say, Hey, thanks Tyler. But you know, we've kind of like milked you for all the value you've given us. Like we're out, we don't need you anymore. Whereas if you've been providing value year after year and growing, helping them grow their business, you know, they're easily going to say, yeah, hey, we're in again. And let's, how do we get more out of this partnership? So let's double down on this idea. What does it really mean to be the official insert item here of the LA Rams? Like, can you peel back the curtain of what that really entails? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's not like a la carte, right? Where it's like, hey, I want to be the official XYZ of the Rams and like, that's it. You know, it's a, it's part of a larger package, you know, sponsorship package that has, you know, partnership assets in it. You know, so you're going to, you're going to get exposure on, you know, our digital and social media. You're going to get exposure in our, in our game day signage assets. You're going to get exposure with our community program. So depending on what your company's community focus may be, you know, as an official partner, you'll be involved in, in things like that. You know, really the, the official status is, is is the ability to use our IP and, and establish a credibility, right? You know, you look at, there's there's lots of stats out there that show, you know, when, when sponsors associate with a brand or a team, that love that you have for that team then translates to to that brand. So you're you're essentially, you know, investing in that, that association, right? That association with the team that someone who loves the Los Angeles Rams, they're going to be a, a Bud Light drinker because Bud Light is the official beer of, of the Los Angeles Rams. Someone who loves the, the Dallas Cowboys, well, they're going to go to the store and they're going to choose Miller Light and Ford trucks over Toyota and Bud Light because that's who the Dallas Cowboys are, official partners are, right? And so that credibility and love for your team, the goal is to create a program and platform that translates that to, to your brand. Is there a particular sponsorship pairing in your career that stands out to you? Like one brand that you inked a partnership with and thought, that's cool, like, this is special to me. Yeah, you know, my, my favorite one, um, and any, anybody that knows me, they're going to be like, oh, I know exactly which one he's going to talk about, is the, the relationship the Cowboys have with with Nike. And while not a completely new partnership that, that, that they have, we were able to, when we built the we built the star in Dallas, the practice facility up in Frisco, and we were able to do some really cool additional things with Nike. And, and to get to sit in a room with 
a brand that I've loved since a kid with some of the people who are responsible for growing and building and, and doing some really cool things with that brand and to share ideas with them and to pitch them partnership opportunity and and to do it you know in their language and, and to get them excited to see a brand like Nike excited to work with you and then and then to get to see some of your ideas come to life and fruition with a brand that you know I think is one of the most popular brands in, in the world there at the star they have a, a Nike a Nike store that's kind of like a an experience center where Nike has events and they do influencer programs out of it. It's right next to the Cowboys Fitness Center there. And so they, they do a lot of like product testing there as well. There's the high school locker rooms at the Star. So the Ford Center play 50 plus high school football games there. And so both of the high school football locker rooms in that building are Nike branded. And so on the, the very first opening of that building, when we allowed the high school teams to come in for the first time, Nike decided they wanted to give color rush jerseys to all of the new teams that were going to be playing in that building, all the Frisco high schools. And so when the kids walked into the locker room, the lights went out, smoke came up from the floor, and a hologram of their brand new jerseys showed up in the middle of their locker room, right? And, and to get to see the smile and enthusiasm on those kids' faces, and to know that you were able to work with a brand like Nike to, to bring that to life was, it's one of the coolest um, stories and moments of my, of my career. We ask everybody who comes on the show about this idea that we stole from a sales trainer that we just especially love named Paul Epstein. Like his whole idea in life is yeah. what is your why? And he helps people find their why. Like what is it about working in sports in your case that satisfies any sociological need uh, that no other job could? So it's a good time to ask you, Tyler, what is your why? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and one that, you know, funny enough during, during my time at the Cowboys, Simon Sinek, who has a book similarly about your why, he spoke to the leadership team at, at the Cowboys and uh, vice president of sponsorship, Derek Sudol, brought it back to our team and said, hey, let's let's everybody write down what your what your why is. And, and it's good for everybody on the team to know that so we can help motivate each other. And so we actually got to write them down, discuss them as a team, and, and we had them printed out on plaques that now sit on a lot of a lot of our desks. For me, it's it, getting to be a part of of something special that that makes a difference in someone's life. And, and that can be a multitude of things. You know, sometimes it's making a difference in someone's life by, by growing their business, by being attached to them as a sponsor. Um, sometimes it's what you can do with a brand, like I talked about with those, those with Nike and, and those kids and seeing those kids light up or getting to provide a surprise and delight moment just to, to someone on game day. One of my favorite things that I would do on game days in, in Dallas and, you know, hope to carry this tradition DraftKings was one of our partners. DraftKings had a club space, a lounge down on the field level. And so I would always take a couple extra DraftKings passes to the games. And I'd go up to the, the 400 level and I'd try and find a, a son or dad or a family that looked like they were at their first Cowboys game or looked like they had spent every dollar to come to that game, right? And to go up to them and say, hey, guys, guys, you want to come with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upgrade you and bring you down and, and let you be right in this club behind the field and high-fiving players as they're running through the tunnel. And to get to do that and provide that moment for those people and, and those fans is something that like that feeling is why I why I love what I do. And, and I'm excited every day to get up and, and meet all the challenges that, that come with this job head on because it's because there's no other way in the world I can I can get that feeling or chase that success. And, you know, the, the second there's a feeling of of winning and losing tied to sports that the wins feel really good because the losses hurt so bad. Right. And, and that that feeling of tied to winning and losing that emotion tied to it provides a lot of, uh, a lot of drive for me. All right, Tyler, we have one more question here for you. Uh, we need a story 
for you to tell us here before we get to our quick hitters. There's this charity chain you did on Twitter to raise money for a children's <laughs> charity in Connecticut called Save the Children U.S., where basically you were tagged and you had to donate and then you had to post four pictures from your career in sports. And one of them is you being what looks like waved off by Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> owner, after he's landed on his private Cowboys custom helicopter. So we here at Hot Coffee Cold Beer will pledge the same donation to that charity, Save the Children U.S., if you would kindly tell us the story behind that photo. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. So one of my uh, my partners in, in Dallas was Airbus Helicopters. Um, they are the official helicopter of the Dallas Cowboys. Mr. Jones has a beautiful Airbus helicopter that he uses to get to and from the, the star on a daily basis. It's one of the coolest things is to sit there and watch the helicopter come in every day and, and see Mr. Jones and his cowboy boots get off. And and so we had, a, uh, we had a golf tournament and I was kind of like the liaison for the helicopter. So the pilots would, would call me when he was coming in for different sponsor events and things like that. And so they called me and they're like, hey, you know, we're, we're coming in, we're about to land on the golf course, just be there ready, waiting. When when the owner comes in, when, when Mr. Jones drops in, you got to have, make sure you got his, got a water bottle there. I wanted to make sure he had his golf tournament gear that he needed. He, he landed, I'm there ready to go, you know, waiting with everything and no son, I don't, I don't need it, I'm good. Uh, he gave, gave me the wave off. Fortunately or unfortunately, the Dallas Morning News photographer was uh, standing right there and caught a caught a nice, fun picture of, of me getting waved off by the boss. What a story. What a sports story forever that you could just, <laughs> even if your career had never panned out and that was the only story you got. What a great story to have. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tyler. This has been crazy informational, especially the world of, of sponsorship. And there's a lot more to dive into, but I think you've given our listeners a, a really good perspective of what it's really like to live your life this way. What we want to do now is we want to give you some quick hitter personal questions. Just give us your first authentic answer off your cuff. We're just trying to get to know Tyler Potts a little bit. So whenever you're ready. All right, let's do it. All right. Tyler Potts, quick hitters. Here we go. Who is one LA Rams player who doesn't get enough credit? Great question. Taylor Rapp. He's a uh, defensive back for us. I don't know if you saw this offseason. He did a 10,000 calorie burn challenge. And so in one day, he did a bunch of different physical activities, burned 10,000 calories. He's an incredible player for us. And I think like, I don't know many people that could that could do that. And so it's a pretty impressive feat. I don't think he's appreciated enough. 10,000. I don't think I could eat 10,000 calories in a day. <laughs> That's almost just as hard of a challenge right there. Who is one dream brand you would love to pair the LA Rams with? Oh man, that's a that's a great question. You know, I'm a I'm, I'm a big exotic like I love exotic cars. I I have a a, a fetish of uh, of really fancy cars. Like I love I love like really nice you know European cars. So I think if we could ever do a deal with a with a Porsche or a Ferrari or or something like that. What's the best NFL stadium you've been to in your lifetime? It's a hard yeah, question I, for you as, as you watch all these that you've worked on, like not be developed yet. So eventually yeah. you'll have a different answer maybe in a year. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm biased in that AT&T stadium is a favorite of mine. If you take, Hey, non, you know, my favorite visiting stadium that I've ever been to, not necessarily because of like the stadium and how incredible it was, but you know, I've been very fortunate in my life to be on the field for a lot of NFL games and be on the sideline before a lot of NFL games. And there was something about being on the sideline of Lambeau field that just feels different than the rest of them, right? It feels like the birthplace of football. There's a nostalgia and a history when you walk out on that field to think of Vince Lombardi and the greats and, and Brett Favre and all of the 
all of the incredible memories that have happened there from an NFL standpoint that standing on the sideline at Lambeau Field for a playoff game was uh, was one of the coolest stadium feels I've ever I've ever been a part of. Was that the Dez didn't catch a game? Uh, yeah, you had to bring it up, didn't you? Uh, he didn't catch it. Like, let's put it <laughs> let's put it point blank. Yeah, the way the rule was written, he didn't catch it. Um, the rule, I think, was written wrong. But uh, that's a different. <laughs> so scenario for you it is a Raiders versus Cowboys Super Bowl, a.k.a. my living nightmare. <laughs> Who do you root for and why? You know, that's probably my living nightmare as well. You know, there's a there's a tough tug at your heartstrings there because as much as I would love to see my friends at either of those places walking around with Super Bowl rings, I think it would hurt every day to see that. You know, if it could end in a tie or something happened and there wasn't a game played, like that would be okay. I think deep down uh, I would have to root for the Cowboys just because that's kind of my uh, – they're my first. They were my first love and passion in the, in the NFL and – and so I'll always have a special, I'll always have a special place in my heart. You never forget your first, you know. <laughs> Who is one person, dead or alive, that you would love to sit down and have a coffee with? Yeah, that's a great question, Brock. I think for me, and I mentioned my passion for the Nike brand earlier, I'd love to sit down and have a coffee with Phil Knight. I think the the business he built there, the creativity behind it, I'm a big fan of the book Shoe Dog. That would be one for me that would be a, an all-time. Who is your favorite female athlete of all time? That's a great question. You know, it's, it's funny, like I, I have ones that <laughs> that I have that like no one probably knows who they are, like uh, players that either I went to school with or or not, you know, didn't become big pro athletes. Uh, but one of my one of my favorites is is Lynn Williams. She's a professional soccer player. Yeah. North we were, Carolina we Courage. Classmates at classmates at Pepperdine. And so I'm big, uh, big fan of hers. Is it the North Carolina Courage or what, what team does she play for? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Believe it or not, a huge national women's soccer league. I own season tickets for the Utah Royals. Like we're big fans in the Hendricks family of oh, uh, awesome. the NWSL. If you could work another department of sports other than sponsorships, what would it be? I would have to say, I think everybody wants to work on the on the football side in some in some way. You know, whether it's a it's a it's a GM or or on the in the coaching staff, right? That's the that's the glamour, but it also comes with the biggest like. So I know how hard those guys work and the guys who are scouts that become those roles spend so many hours on the road that I don't know that uh, I don't know that I'm cut out for it. I think I would love to, you know, working in something on the community side would obviously be interesting getting to touch people and use use the brand of the of the Los Angeles Rams to people's lives better and to give you know the, the phrase that I, I hear used often in sports is help carry the ball for people that can't carry it themselves. What is your least favorite part about working in the sports industry? Oh man, Brock, that's a tough question because I, I really love it all. Like I, I, the good and the bad, the least favorite part maybe is the, the question I constantly get like, Oh, do you get to go to games? I think that everyone just assumes like, Oh, I'm sitting at games watching. Uh, I typically come home and watch the game on recording after only if we win, of course, because I'm not getting to catch much of the game. Cause I'm running around, getting my steps in on game day. That really is such a unique challenge of kind of the presumptive nature of working in sports. Like they think your yeah. life is super glamorous and whatnot. Like I'm just hanging out with LeBron James on a Tuesday <laughs> night. Like that's what my life is. Like, yep. No, you actually miss, especially it's hard working for your team. Like being a Laker fan, you miss so much of the Laker games. Yeah. All right. Personal preference for you, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning. I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan. That's an easy one. What is one thing you do that drives your wife crazy? <laughs> I uh I'm loud. I'm not a quiet person and especially when we're both on on calls together at the same time if we're at home, 
being loud is not a favorite thing of hers. It's so funny you say that. That's the second time we've gotten that answer. With it, episode <laughs> uh, nine with Nick Mann or episode 10, whatever. It, it, ru- it, runs in the, uh, it runs in the sales traits, I think. If you were on ABC Shark Tank, which shark would you take a deal with? Uh, Mark Cuban all day. If we asked someone on your staff to describe you, what do you hope they would say? That I care, that everything I do is, you know, for the betterment of the team, that I really care about what I'm doing, and I approach everything with with that care. If we asked a client of yours to describe you, what do you hope they would say? That they trust me. I think that's the biggest thing in, in sponsorships is building that rapport and trust because it is. It's a it's a leap of faith to do a lot of these partnerships. And so they got they gotta trust me. So I, I hope that they that they do and they trust the things that I the ideas and concepts we bring to them. If we asked your father, Steve, the director of athletics at Pepperdine, <laughs> to describe you, what do you hope he would say? Uh, you know, and uh, he, I, I love him to death, and thankfully he's told me this, uh, but but that he's proud, right? I think that's the thing that I, I any kid would love to hear their parents say, and then is that they're they're proud of uh, what you do and what you've accomplished, and I have a lot more to do and accomplish, but uh, but I'm hope I'm doing that right now. What is the best sports job you've ever turned down? So when I was an intern at the Dallas Cowboys, ending my internship, and I wasn't sure what the future looked like, if I was going to get to stay at the Cowboys or not, and I interviewing at a couple other places just to keep my options open, not knowing, and I actually uh, actually went and interviewed at the Baltimore Ravens with Kevin Rockolitz and, and, and their team there and, and, and loved it and had a great interview with them, spent, spent a lot of good time with them there, and then um, when I got back from the from the interview, that they called and uh, and offered me the the job in Baltimore, and and I was really excited. I was getting a full time job with an NFL team. I was getting ready to, you know, hey, look, I know where I'm going now, and you know, Baltimore, here it is. And within about two hours of them, the Ravens offering me that job, the Cowboys offered me a a job to to stay in Dallas, and had to had to kind of call the Ravens back with my tail between my legs a little bit and say, hey, sorry, I'm. I'm going to stay. Uh, I didn't know I was going to get this opportunity, but now I am. And, and so I turned down what was an incredible opportunity at an NFL team to, uh, to stay at the Cowboys. If we asked you to make a Rams player comparison for yourself, who would you say and why? <laughs> oh, man. For no other reason than, like, he's tall and blonde, uh, maybe, I guess, Jared Goff. So you and Jared Goff could both be my older brothers. It looks like if we all walked into a bar together, <laughs> he's uh, he's got me beat in a lot of in a lot of areas though. So uh, he he's not wishing he's me. That's for sure. All right, Tyler, suggest a guest for us. Who is somebody in the sports industry that you'd like to hear about on Hot Coffee Cold Beer? Oh man, that's a great that's a great question. There are so many uh, good ones. You know, I have a couple former former bosses that would be incredible. Uh, Eric Sudall at the Dallas Cowboys, Christian Howard at the uh, at the Raiders. Both of them have twenty plus years of sports experience. Incredible mentors of mine, and and I already sit in their sit in their offices and listen to their stories. So uh, it would be awesome to hear their stories shared with the with the world. And the last one we have for you. Let's dream about the future here. When we circle back with you in two to three years, where will we see Tyler Potts? Yeah, uh, you know, with with the Rams, uh, hopefully meeting new challenges and, and being challenged on a daily basis, you know, with with some growth there and, and hopefully, you know, be given some some opportunities to do uh, do some exciting things. And and I hope that uh, I'll be in a position where where we're uh, we're headed in the right direction. We're in year uh, three or four of SoFi Stadium and and looking forward to the future. I think we'll have, we'll have just had the Super Bowl and we'll be planning for the, uh, for the Olympics. 
That's a great answer, Tyler. It, I gotta say, it's it's a unique one we haven't heard before, and you know, really have appreciated this this time here to get to know you a little bit. And the challenges that you're gonna face, I'm sure, are, are no comparison to the content of your character. So, I really appreciate you sitting down and walking us through sponsorship and your path and some of these challenges. Thanks so much for stopping by, Tyler. Thanks, Brock. I appreciate it, and thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. You guys do a, you did a gr- do a great job on this podcast. It's been fun to listen to all the all the previous guests, and I'm excited to hear uh, all your ones in the future. Best of luck. Today's episode of Hot Coffee, Cold Beer is independently produced by Brock L. Hendricks. The content you heard today does not reflect the opinion or views of AEG, Staples Center, the Los Angeles Lakers, Clippers, Kings, or Sparks, or any of its affiliates, subsidiaries, and partners.